You know, it is a nice fall day here in Oklahoma, a little chilly, but I'm I'm feeling good indoors getting to talk about basketball. Yeah, it's uh we are almost in December, which is we're seven days from six days from December, which is just insane. Ridiculous. Ridiculous, as some would say. Uh and basketball is just gonna ramp up now that football is kind of slowing down some, which is gonna be awesome. I'm all in on basketball. Yeah. Um before we get into episode 56, let me remind you to follow us on our social media, um, Twitter and Instagram accounts. Um, if you search for NBA Couch GM Pod or uh, Couch GM Podcast, you'd be able to find us on both those platforms. Uh, and if you haven't already, follow us, uh, subscribe, and give us a rating on any of your uh, podcast platforms. And we'd greatly, greatly appreciate that. Uh, quick episode, if you missed episode 55, you should go check it out. Uh, Mello is hey. now playing NBA games again, uh, and we checked in on some rookies, and uh, Matt gave us a few college guys to keep an eye on uh, going into this season uh, of college basketball, which is also going on, if you weren't aware, because mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people are, because college basketball in November, for the most part, is irrelevant, but yep. that's neither here nor there. Episode 56, Matt, what are we talking about? So, first of all, a little bit of news. Um, just happened last night, so it was really great timing. Um, this Zach Levine game Woo! against uh, Charlotte the other night was just stupid. <laughs> um, going for like 13 threes on 13 to 17 from three. Um, one short of hitting Clay's all time record for 14 threes in a game um, when Clay had his ridiculous yeah. Clay game. <laughs> um, memories there. But yeah, Zach Levine went nuts including hitting the game winner um on a just awful terribly ill-advised shot against charlotte like made a smart play stole the ball on the inbounds they were down ran back to the three and then just like faded fade away chucked and it went in though um that's why that dude plays in the nba Um, (laughs) although zach levine has not had the best of seasons had a good first you know start went down along with the rest of the bulls but, um, yeah, redemption game last night, especially after getting benched the yeah. game before. <laughs> um, and the coach literally calling him out by name in the post game. It's, like, pretty clear that Zach Levine and Jim Boylan hate each other. Like, just don't get yeah. along. Yep. Um, there's going to be at some point where Zach Levine has the ball and just is doing whatever he wants and Boylan's going to get pissed. And is going to go out there, since Jim Boylan's always in a defensive stance, is going to go out there and start go- trying to guard Zach Levine. <laughs> Um, that, yeah, but shout out to Levine for, for that game. That was incredible to watch. Um, other news, uh, we saw the Paul George, Kawhi Leonard combo debut this week, um, against Boston. Really fun game. Um, also I was going to say game of the week, but the Clippers Rockets game was also really good this week too. Um, along with, we had a lot of good games this week. Um, the Clippers came away with that that win against Boston um, in, in overtime. Um, Tatum was a dirty step back, Ooh, uh, though, on Paul, Paul George. Paul George on the floor. Um, but uh, really, really cool to see those guys. And you saw this team, once those guys are fully in rhythm and healthy, that 
that's a problem. That's an issue. Um, and the most way of understating that possible, that's an issue. Um, we, we've been watching this Luca triple double run. Oh my God. He's been on, he's like, let me go play about three quarters, get my triple double and then go sit down for the fourth. Cause he's already got the Mavs at like 10 wins. He's doing it in like under 30 minutes too, which is just bonkers in his second year. Yeah. uh, Like he's dominating games. Yeah. Could you imagine if like, imagine thinking that this dude shouldn't have been the number one overall. I know. Right. Um, yeah, shout out to the Kings, the Hawks, um, the Suns, the Suns. Yeah, y'all really um done goofed. Yeah, I know. Like if if for some reason the, the Mavericks could just get out playing the Knicks, this this would look like the best team in the NBA. Um, but they're sitting at ten and five right now. Um, beat the the Warriors and the Cavs in the last couple of days, so easy money there. But even going back to our last pod, they they've knocked off um, Toronto and San Antonio also, which. Maybe the only good win in there is really Toronto, but still, like, he's handling these teams. I mean, this team looks so much different from last year. They lead the league in offensive rating this year and have our second net rating only behind the Milwaukee Bucks, who and, are, oh, by the way, really good and, again. And I don't even like, really, this team. <laughs> like, I, re- I like Luca. I like the idea of Kristaps. And I like pretty much all the rest of their guys as, like, sixth men. But yeah. they're having to start because you need more than two starters. And like it's it's just crazy what he's been able to do with this team so far. Maybe they're winning games they should win, and that that's a bottom line point, but that's the sign of a good team and a great player um leading an average group of guys. So it feels I mean, this guy feels like MVP ready already, and he's should be in very much in the thick of the discussion for MVP yeah, early season. Yeah, for sure. A um, couple quick injury things. Um, we saw from Boston the the weird Kimba Walker thing in Denver the other night where he like ran into Shimmy Ojale, um, got called for a targeting penalty there. <laughs> um, the Celtics are saying it's like a neck sprain, um, which I guess, thank goodness, it's, it's only that. Um, some concussion-like symptoms. Um, I haven't seen a timetable for his return, but... They had clarified that he was only doubtful for their game um, coming up this weekend. So it's like they didn't just say he's out. Yeah. Like, of course he's out. So, like, it's almost making me think, like, it's not that that bad. But they're just being really cautious because it looked not good the way he collapsed. Yeah. I mean, like, those those types of injuries are always scary. And you kind of want to take some precaution there. You just don't know. Especially with a guy who has big of contract. I mean, sure, Boston's going to be air on the side of caution yeah. with all of those type of injuries. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of too bad because, like, chem- like that Boston team's a lot of fun to watch. And it is. It's really tough to lose two of your best players. But uh, hopefully they can he can bounce back and get on the floor yeah. pretty soon. A um, couple other quick ones. Nikola Vucevic is out for about four weeks with an ankle sprain. Um, I I almost am about to say just RIP to the Magic. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I I want to see good things from Markel Fultz. So I I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on the bandwagon for just a little bit longer and see if they can um, hold out and get some victories while Vucevic is out. But obviously, that's a huge huge injury for that team. And um, lastly, Otto Porter Jr., he's out a couple weeks with a foot injury for the Bulls. So as if they didn't have enough problems, um, here's one more. 
last bit of news before we get into our two different topics um, for today is many teams um, just announced some new unis this week. And um, being who we are, we care almost as much about the uniforms as we do the basketball games. Yes. Um, uh-huh. So, Ryan, any teams that stood out good or bad with some of these new uniforms announced between the city editions or classic editions or just alternatives teams threw out there? So I'm going to start with the really bad and it's the like this image that the Atlanta Hawks put out with Trey Young <laughs> trying to take it seriously while he has a jersey on that says Peachtree on the front of it. Yeah. Like that's like who thought that was a good idea? Like what Nike person was like, "Yep, this is it. This is exactly what we want for Atlanta." And yeah, I don't really get it. I I I get like the connection to Atlanta, but like it's not that special. It's not that good. The The Hawks have had a tough time with this whole um, uniform thing the last, like, six years. Yeah, it feels like some intern has been, like, just pitching ideas, yes. and they're like, uh, yep, this is, this is what You're we're young. With. You're hip. Let's go with that. <laughs> it's like the, the uh, not, like, neon is so bad just on their original uniforms, but then to add this, like, peach tree alternative... Like, if they had, like, a classic Atlanta Hawks uniform. The Dominiques. Yeah, that would be perfect. They're trying to make things too hard. They don't. And, like, that's the thing is, like, just make it, like you said, make it simple. But on a higher note, these Sixers uniforms are yeah really both they've thrown out there. The the classic edition they have announced where it says um, 70 and, like, smaller font and then Sixers. Yep. Looks really cool. Um, and then even like the the other um, city editions, um, where it's like kind of like paying homage, like the Liberty Bell. It's just Philadelphia in cursive. It's kind of a creamish colored uniform. Off white, yeah, I like that. Uh, it Love looks it. cool. It they're both just again very simple, very clean. They do exactly what you want. Atlanta could do something exactly like this and look really cool, but they won't. Um, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, Philly's looks really really good. Yeah, and then on top of that, like staying with the East here. Detroit's Motor City uniforms are getting just atrocious. It's like some YMCA stuff. It looks like, I don't know, XSFL meets ABA. <laughs> I don't know what this is, but it's not good. We'll tweet out these pictures because like, they're, they're really not. Or we'll I do a little them. poll or something. Yeah, uh, it's bad. Anyways, Western Conference. Did you have any that stood out to you? Um. You know, I I want to like the idea of Golden State San Francisco's, but I just don't actually like them in practicality. Um, They're like yeah. in the most basic font. Yeah, um, I I want to like the idea, but it's just not hitting for me. Um, I know they're not recently recently um, announced, but Utah's throwbacks look really cool. Yes. Back to the Malone days. Yep. Um, this one I know it's not recently announced, but it debuted the other day. The Memphis Grizzlies Ooh. with the Vancouver's um, that game against the Lakers the other night they lost by one. Um, but Jaw doing Jaw Morant things in those uniforms, uh, like that just got me doing like feeling some sort of way. Like it was incredible, especially with the court. Like I love when the big Grizzly with they like the jerseys and the court like go together they really did this right and like they nailed this and oh my goodness these uniforms are spectacular just like super clean um i want to shout out to the houston throwbacks too like the oh uh, yeah the hakeem olajuwon yeah look very nice um pretty clean 
there as well. Um, I don't really love the Clipper alternatives we've seen, I think, twice now. <laughs> the um, Grand Theft Autos? Yeah. It feels like a mix between, like, a, a Walmart knockoff jersey <laughs> and, like, some, like, eBay atrocity. Kind of. Yeah. That, like, some fan made. Same thing with the Laker. I would say, alternate. if we need to talk about Walmart edition, the Lakers with the stars on the side are ridiculous. It feels like... An all-star jersey and a Walmart knockoff jersey had a love child. <laughs> and this is what we get. Anthony Davis is about to, like, legit bounce out of L.A. He's like, I'm not wearing this. <laughs> He's going to go be a Chicago Bull because that's what the narrative we already need to start talking about. Yeah. Man, trash. Trash right here in L.A. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I mean, like, from all of those, I mean, like, the Mavericks ones are just so pedestrian that... Uh, I don't know. Those like green whatever. ones, though, they've also um, announced, though, are trash. Yeah, like the, the wannabe. Like the wannabe Brooklyn Nets ones. Yeah, which the Brooklyn Nets ones are pretty good. They're fine. But, I mean, like, I don't know. Yeah, I get I, it more for Brooklyn right, than I do for Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, I mean, like, those uniforms are, I think it's another pedestrian year for Nike overall uh, in control of the uniforms for the NBA. Yeah. Like I've, it seems like ever for every good one they release, they release some monstrosity yeah. that doesn't make any sense. But that's just me. No, I, I mostly agree. I think too. Um, all right, so let's get to our uh, bigger um, ideas for for today. So I think the the number one thing that this podcast is going to be about is this potentially shorter season mm -hmm. um, news that kind of broke um, that's in discussions with the NBA and NBA PA um, about how we could start mixing some stuff up. And this thing you and I have talked about on air before off air. Also um, just some like ideas that we could see the league shaking up and a little bit of traction here. Nothing, nothing guaranteed, but um, four big points were brought up um, by Woj and Zach Lowe. Um, of ESPN. And so real quick, the four big points were potentially knocking down the regular season games to 78 from 82, having an in-season tournament somewhere during the winter, having a postseason playing game similar to the MLB wildcard, where it's just mm -hmm. like a one game yep. um, get in, and then a new postseason format with reseeding the final four teams. So the top two, or the two left from the West, the two left from the East, reseeding them one to four and then doing the quote-unquote conference finals from there so those are the four big ideas and so let's talk a little bit about them ryan where do you want to start do you want to start with the first point the 78 regular season games or do you want to like dive right into um, it let's start with the regular season okay. and, and then kind of have this build up okay so the biggest pushback that shortening the season we've always heard is that well it's a loss on opportunity for uh, income for owners and teams and that makes sense it I is get that four games though i don't think is gonna you're gonna notice that much difference i don't know that's i mean two home games two away games yeah not really that big of a deal yeah to to lose two home games um every year but then does that move the needle enough players because that's what play, players want like less games they have to play in and is four less games really that important no, because they're probably taking those four games off anyway. anyway. <laughs> so what's the point? Yeah, like I think you would have to get it down to seventy to really move the needle. 
Yeah, maybe but, like 72 could but, do it. But even then, like that point, first point we made is like the owners are going to be hollering about losing out on five opportunities, five home games yeah, to potentially make m- revenue off of. And that's a hard one to sell. You're selling less to um, advertisers. You're making less yeah. income that way. And it's like five games. Does that really sound like a lot? But when you only have 40... One home games losing five that's that's one eighth yeah so that's t- about 12 13 percent uh like when you're saying like you're losing 12 percent of your opportunity to go make money you i could see how they get some people upset then yeah but you would also think like you're protecting like on the inverse side of that like you're also protecting a lot of your investments into these players yeah like you're shortening the chance for them to get injury especially in the long term mm-hmm. think about lebron james like if he had five less 10 less games on average per so, season that's a, like 180 games <laughs> he could have saved himself like, yeah he could play until he's 40 at that rate easily if he had 180 games less on his mm-hmm. legs yeah and i think that's that's the point that obviously the nba player association would probably rest its case on is like listen like we can get these guys playing longer now whether they stay on your team or not <laughs> is one thing yeah but you can guarantee they're going to play longer almost but then it really hits back to this point that's being brought up more now so as pertains more to the younger guys in the league but of how much basketball they've had to play just to get to the nba right with the aau circuit that that's come up it's just guys are having to play so many more games before they even get to college before they even get to the nba now like these guys legs is like borderline burning out earlier so it's like a way to kind of help that then also um but i agree with your general idea this thing's probably got to get lower to the mid 70s um but i wouldn't be totally shocked though if the players agree on 78 and saying but with the idea of okay we've taken a step yeah and the next time we negotiate six eight years after this we're going to try and get another step down so i wouldn't be surprised if they take that um offer but i i bet they're going to push for a little more also yeah and i think another thing that they can push this has been pushed a lot this week in nba news is that the ratings are down mm-hmm. across nba games and i feel like you could sell that as like listen if you have less of these, they're going to be more yeah. important. Borderline the baseball effect. Right. Like, there's just so many games. You're just not going to get people to watch every single game. Right. And I think you could sell that. Like, hey, listen, there's going to be less. It's going to be less intimidating for new fans to come in and start watching. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I think you could start the season a little bit later. Like, start it in November instead of October um, and give players more rest. But that's also just me. Yeah, it's an idea, and it could all work in tandem. Right. It's just almost to the point, though, of like how many different little things could you incorporate into one new deal or yeah. proposal that, to get everyone to agree? We just throw more ideas out there. It's just hard to get everyone to agree on right. things. So like, there's just so much here we already have of these four talking points. You can start throwing in more ideas. It's like, would the deal ever get done then? No, probably that, not. That's, that's part of the um, discussion that Adam Silver is going to have to like really think about. Of like, we can't we can't do all this at once, yeah. right? Um, I don't know, maybe they could, but probably not. So then the second big point is this in season tournament that's r- rumored that they would want to do it here in the winter time and end of Thanksgiving ish, um, 
before Christmas, somewhere in there, which I, I would get the timing because that's, you know, 25% of the way through the year. Um, supposed to make up for those quote-unquote lost regular season games um, because everyone's playing an extra two, three, four games. Maybe not necessarily at home, though. Um, yep. Which I would be curious, how do you work out where those games are? <laughs> Is this like a true one to... 30 something seating and or like what i again we don't have all the details for like the idea so i'm curious how that would break down um in terms of where it's at is it neutral courts like what are you going to do there um so i think it's an intriguing idea but i'm not quite sure what the point is like why would teams really try yeah also we were talking about this off air and we both brought up the point of like there has to be some sort of like money incentive to this, right? right like, because if you're doing like a two week tournament, why wouldn't LeBron and Anthony Davis be like, "We're not playing. <laughs> We're gonna go to Miami or just stay in LA for two weeks and just rest." Yeah. Right. Like, why is Kawhi Leonard gonna play in these? Why is Paul George gonna play in these games? There's like, what's the point for them? I mean, like. <sighs> It could be like a, a case for like okay maybe this is a bigger deal like you emphasize this a little bit more yeah so it's not like winning the finals but you're winning a trophy not like a participation trophy but you're winning something eh, maybe participation trophy <laughs> eh, yeah. it kind of does feel a little participation like trophy. again there has to be more point than just like we won the midseason tournament like there's just got to be more to it than that yeah um, and I think for teams in general, like if I were an executive on a team, like I would want to push for incentives for the franchise, like cap relief for yes, ten another mid level exception to like get a like a full mid level, yeah, full like ten million dollars. So like going into the season of possible trades and dealings, mm-hmm. like if it happens in middle of December, now you have two months to go try to make a trade for a player. If you feel like you're a contender. Yeah. And yeah. Could you imagine basically having that, like, it's like act like it's a trade exception. Yeah. Then in that case, like you want Chris Paul, but you, you can't send $30 million to Oklahoma city. Oklahoma city doesn't want you to send back $30 million <laughs> either. Send this $10 million trade, you know, basically trade exception type or use it to sign a guy. Um, maybe it could carry over like into the off season. Like yeah. you have a year to use it. Um, same way with a trade exception. Like you have a year to use it. So the following off season, you could sign that extra guy um, that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. Like again, that that could be an idea because I don't feel like just saying here's a lump ten million dollars would really do it. Right. Like because to owners, ten million dollars is pocket change. Yeah. To the players, they're like, we're not seeing a dime of it anyway. Right. right? Like, and when you terms in terms of like investing in facilities when you're talking about the grand scale changes that most players would care about seeing in terms of facilities, $10 million isn't that much. If you're trying to build a practice facility or trying to build up your G league, like $10 million isn't that much. Um, so unless yeah, it's either going to players or going directly to help players on the team via an ex roster spot or, you know, that increased talent addition to the team, like it wouldn't do really what you'd want it to do then. But is the league willing to give that up? Yeah, that $10 million has to come from somewhere, right? Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> someone's paying this guy's salary. You're trying to bring in a, a really good bench piece to round up your round out your rotation. Portland's like, I'm not paying for this. Because <laughs> Neil Olshay. Neil Olshay doesn't pay for anything. Um, but uh, doesn't want to, anyway. Um, 
<laughs> so like there there's ideas there financially um the only other thing i could think of for making people want to try more is like if there's a connection to the actual playoffs yeah at the end of the year so an idea like you and i were just chatting up was what if like if you finish as like a top four seed in your conference if you win the mid-season tournament you automatically get bumped up to number one so like if you finished two three four in terms of just record you automatically get bumped to one because you won the end season or um if you finished five through eight because we're assuming if you win the end season tournament like you're good enough to make the playoffs i guess um if you finished five through eight you automatically get bumped up to the four and the four gets bumped down to five five or whatever it is so you're guaranteed to be the home team um for a playoff series so some sort of connection there, either really bolstering, it's really going back to bolstering your chances of playing home games, which is what owners ultimately want right. if they are knocking down the regular season home games that they're having. Playoff home games are even more uh, right. money coming in. Yeah. So I could see that working on players and being very motivated to try also. That would really help them, the LeBrons, who are trying to take a rest you know, or whatever team it is that are like might finish fifth or sixth just because they're on load management. The Clippers especially, like what if the Clippers just like, let's be good enough to finish fourth. Yeah. Try for two weeks on this tournament, get the first, and then just get bumped up to the one and load manage Kawhi and PG as much as we need. I mean, that would be awesome. Like, like that's I, just playing the system. Yeah. But it's what you should do then. Right. Like I kind of like that idea. <clears throat> like the four seed all, all of a sudden becomes like if you win this mid-season tournament – like the most coveted spot in the yeah because you don't have to try any more than that it's like guaranteeing it in in school i guess almost um i like both of those ideas ultimately like i have a sneaking suspicion that the players just ultimately won't care either way probably you know yeah some random like up and coming like minnesota or phoenix like would win the tournament and but then like not even make the playoffs (laughs) or something you know like um, but like at least they could say they won something. Yeah. Um, then the participation trophy effect really comes into play. Right. But like, okay, hey, you won something, Minnesota. Um, in theory. <laughs> um. So then the other two points going to the actual postseason now. So a postseason playing game. So you mm-hmm. still have the top eight, but then the nine and ten are battling the seven and eight in a one game wild card play in. Um, to go get smacked by Milwaukee or, or whomever. Um, but I like the idea of it. I really, really do. I love it. This is what happened with Minnesota and Denver, Denver. two years ago. Yep. Um, and it's awesome. Like, I'm all for getting a play-in game. Like, that was the one one thing you have to give Major League Baseball credit, credit for is, like, having this one ultra-high-intense game mm-hmm. with everything on the line. Yeah. Like, I'm... I'm I believe most of their season doesn't matter, but whatever. Um, that one game, though, that is one really game fun. That It does, and there's real incentive to play and um, try to avoid that game as, all, yeah. as much as possible. Like, if you have, like, a scrappy team or a hot team coming in, mm-hmm. you don't want to play that team. Nope. So that's a, the thing is just making games matter more. Yeah. Is a big overall theme of all these points that were introduced. And this is the epitome of that, of making games matter more. Because um, let's be real, we don't need all these seven game series. No. Like, we just don't. We don't need a seven game series for the 1 8 matchup. We don't need to see <laughs> Milwaukee 
just wiped the floor with Detroit four times over, right? We could have seen it in two or three games and be like, yep, yeah, this, this suffices. This is good. Um, so one, I, I am always hoping for, let's knock out some of those, you know, first round seven games here. Let's knock them down to like best of three, best of five, something like that. I love that. Cause on the inverse side of that, there's a greater chance for an upset. Yeah. Like imagine if Orlando at like best of three, Against Toronto last year. Had a 1-0 lead. That's a big deal then. Yeah. Um, That'd be... Yeah, and then going back to Orlando for game two. Like, that would have been really cool. Um, That would have been like an actual, like, oh, crap, you have to watch this game now. Um, And then, can you imagine that for Orlando? They're like, everybody's watching this game at Orlando right now. Yeah. Um, And then if you're like, but we're we're losing games, well, you're adding in the wild card game. Right. you're adding in a few extra games that you wouldn't have got otherwise. So like, and it's not perfectly balanced back to what it is now, but it's still really, really good. And probably again, more viewership. Cause let's be honest, like we, no one watched, for example, the game two and game three in that Toronto Orlando series. No, um, absolutely not. One, because it really wasn't even like major television networks. Like you had to have like league pass or NBA TV to see them anyway. Um, so again, make those games matter more. There's less games across the league to be average, to be, um, putting on tv then so you're actually putting on games that really then matter i i like the ideas of this one the most and the potential of like where it could go yeah um the the road this could lead down and the last thing um was in terms of it says no new postseason format but really the big idea is reseeding the final four um so once we get to the eastern conference semis and western conference um semifinals uh, or not the Sorry, the Western Conference Finals and Eastern Conference Finals. Yep. We just say stop. We're going to reorganize these teams one, two, three, four, and then go play our conference finals, conference finals, quote unquote conference files. Um, so I, I, I think I like the idea of this. It's a step in the right direction towards going away with conference seating. Yeah, I think this goes back to your idea earlier of like, we can't just like radically change the postseason format all at once. All at once. But this is a step in the right direction for doing the one six through sixteen, which I think we're both huge fans of because that will pre- present some interesting matchups. Um, but reseeding the one through four would be really really fun because then we get like too many NBA mini finals. Yes. And like, could you imagine if Houston didn't have to play Golden State? In one of the in the Western Conference Finals for like two, what like really the NBA championship yeah for two for the last two years like and then the NBA Finals really really mean something yeah like we could have seen Houston Cleveland instead of Golden State Cleveland for the last yeah. five years whatever mm-hmm. it was I'm all for this and like I, I don't know how you don't pull the trigger on this because then you get actual like stars playing against stars who normally. Don't like, could you imagine if we had LeBron Kobe like yeah. way before? Yeah, like this would have been spectacular for those types of situations. Um, the, the one reason why I think it's going to get some real pushback though is there's the very real potential for an all east or all west NBA finals. Like, you could yep. have Lakers Clippers, yep, for the NBA finals, which I'm not saying that wouldn't be the best matchup, and this year it looks like it could be. Um, and would be the most enjoyable, but in this case, in this super extreme, it's two LA teams. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not even two West Coast teams; it's just two LA teams. Um, 
then home and away means absolutely nothing um, in that situation because uh, it's, it's all Lakers home games. Um, but like, I could see that being the pushback. It's like we're exiling half the country um, if this happens. Although there's always the potential for having like two Midwest type teams, um, like a Cleveland, Houston, or some, whenever LeBron that, was on Cleveland. That would Cleveland. be the like NBA's nightmare is like a Minnesota, Indiana yeah. NBA finals, which I don't think is going to happen I, any anytime soon. But. No, but like the idea of that though um, has always been possible, but we've always kind of known like the chances just aren't very likely. Yep. But this one, it seems like the chances would greatly increase if having like a, for example, Boston, Philly, or an LA, LA, or LA, Denver, or something like that, where it's like everybody east of Denver, unless they just really care about basketball, just doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I could see that as the main pushback point here. But at the same time, as a general basketball fan, if the two best teams are in LA, fine. Right. Like, let's, let's see those really good six, seven games. I would rather have seven great games than four mediocre games of, like, L.A. Yeah. and, I don't know, Philly, Philly or, or, or Milwaukee, Milwaukee yeah. or whoever. Because, like, I feel like that's what the season's trending toward at this point. Mm-hmm. It does seem like that. Topic number two. So, let's talk about actual NBA teams now. Um, not, <laughs> not the theoretical. Um, just throwing out there some teams that, you know, when the season starts, you see things and you're like, is this for real? Like, is this going to keep happening or is this just, you know, a mid-season or an early season bump in the road um, or a little little hitch in the giddy up to get started? And um, we we just threw out six teams that it doesn't look like it's just a little hitch in the giddy up. Um, yeah. there, there, there's a wheel that's falling off. Um, <laughs> there's the motors breaking down. There's no oil in the engine. <laughs> It's uh, just, it's a dumpster fire. Yeah. So there's one team on here that's like, things are still working out, but not as good as I think everyone thought they would. Um, but for the most part, these are just teams that are really riding the struggle bus. Um, we'll go to Atlanta first. Um, their defense Ooh. is hot crap. I mean, just the worst. Not literally, they're 28th, but um, they're, <laughs> they're trying to be the worst. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like you and I could go out and play better defense than the Hawks are right now, Ryan. Um, and Listen, it's all up, all up here, all up in the, all up in the brain. Yeah, for no, me. no, like their defense is just literal crap, though. Um, I know that John Collins suspension hurts this team. Like I get that, but this team should not be this bad. Um, I will say, like Trey Young's still balling on the offensive end. DeAndre Hunter's actually looking much, much better because they're asking him to do more. Um, and so he's, I mean, he doesn't look like a number four overall pick, but he looks like a top 10 pick for sure now, not just a role player. Um, but maybe this team is just too young, Ryan. Yeah, I think we were both a little too giddy about this team. Like, red, yeah. like t- hindsight's 2020, but I think we're, Atlanta's just not quite there yeah. yet. And even John Collins playing doesn't totally fix this. Like, they're, instead of 28th, maybe they're 24th in defense, <laughs> right? Like, instead of only winning, like, four games so far, because at the time of this recording, they are 4-12, and 12, they'd be, like, what, 6-10 and 10 maybe? 7-9. Yeah. and nine. But, like, this team isn't really that much better with John Collins on it um, than it is now. And that's not a knock on John Collins. I really like John Collins. It's just say there are some very fundamental problems with this team. Um, yeah. I mean, we both 
kind of pegged this team as like a 30, maybe 35 win team. And that's but, gonna, with, but with potential to get to like 42, yeah. 44, if things really break right the way we thought they could. And it has, it's, they're not going to get there. No, this looks like in that 20 to 30 yeah. range. Because um, they're still competitive. Like it's for the most part, they're still giving teams a good run. Um, but at the same time, like they did, you just can't stop anybody. I mean, right there. I mean, I know the Clippers are obviously like head and shoulders better than them. They get up to 150 to the Clippers. Like, yeah. And without overtime, <laughs> 150. Um, like, giving up 128 to Detroit. Like, that's awful. You're Who's giving up. By, by and large, an anemic offense. Of yeah. Portland's not been good this year, and you gave up 124. Yep. Like, again, Kings 121. Like, teams that aren't good are scoring <laughs> 100 plus points on you. The Bulls went for 113 and won the game. Like, you just can't be. One, even if you do lose those games, you can't be losing that badly. Right. And in that way, I think that's the big point as much as anything. It's not just that you're losing, it's you're losing bad. Um, and yeah, maybe we were just too fast on them. And we've talked about the last week or so, like maybe they're still just a year away. And that's okay. Because this rebuild was not that long ago that it started. Right. But just knowing they do have talent, it's hard to watch it play out like this. The, the next team, um, and this is a team that you and I have been saying for a few weeks now, um, they aren't that good. But recently, in the past like week or so, everybody's really started realizing it. San Antonio is, um, they're not quite as bad as Atlanta defensively. They're only 27th, but <laughs> it, it is a bad situation there. Yeah, I, I mean, like... You want to rely on Sam, like that. That's the thing. Like you believe in the system. You believe in Greg Popovich. But what we've seen from them this last week is just like lo- or losing and giving up 138 points to the Washington Wizards. Hey, the Wizards' offense is better than we all expected, but still, it's the Wizards. <laughs> yeah, like you can't stop. Like it's basically Bradley Beal and Mo like Mo Wagner. Wagner. Wagner, sorry, excuse me. Um, like, running that offense. Like, who who else are you looking at that offense and going, God, man, they just really are world wreckers this year. You know who put up 21 against them in that game? Your boy, Isaiah Thomas. Um, no, not Isaiah. Davis Burthans. Oh! <laughs> the former Spur you traded to make room for Marcus Morris. <laughs> who never came. Who never came. Um, oh. uh, Isaiah only had 11. But, yeah, like... Ish Smith went for 21 in that game. Like, Rui Hachimura went for 15. Like, it, it was just incredible. Like, they couldn't stop anybody. Like, literally anybody. They could throw anyone out there on the floor, and the Spurs couldn't stop them. And that's just been a theme all year. Thank God they got to play the Knicks the other day and finally get a win again, because they lost eight straight. Well, you th- like, you think that, like, especially for San Antonio, like, they won, what, 40-plus games? 48 games last year? 40-something? Yeah. And, like... You got players back, and players improved. At least that, like your yeah. young guys are supposed to improve. I'll say Dejounte Murray like is healthy now. Yeah, Derek White in theory got better, getting to play a lot with Team USA this summer. Like, but yeah, they just for some reason have just crapped the bed. And we say for some reason, we know the reason. It's <laughs> that they have two guys who they're relying on for offense: Demar Derozan and Lamarcus Aldridge. Which somehow this team's offensive rating is still incredible, but. It's not because of those guys, and those guys are definitely hurting the defensive rating. Oof. Like, those guys, the, like, let's just be honest, they don't play defense anymore. 
Like, DeMar has never really played defense. Definitely not playing defense now. Um, <laughs> LaMarcus, doesn't shoot the three anymore. No, like, literally, literally doesn't take a three, um, which is incredible to watch um, away in the NBA. Like, even, like, Andre Robertson will take a three every now and again. <laughs> right. Ben Simmons took a three the other day. But Finally. DeMar just, like, refuses. Um, yep. And he's, like, a true guard. Yep. Um, whereas those guys, like, you could borderline squint your eyes and be like, well, Ben Simmons definitely. But, like, they're, they're a four. Yeah. Um, DeMar is, like, a two-three. So that's really concerning. And then LaMarcus, this dude's just getting blown by in every single pick and roll. Yeah. It kind of feels like he's uh, – it feels like one of these guys is getting warmed up to get traded. And I – you would have to think it's Demar because you get the most return for him. Well, and, he, and he's got a player option. Yeah. Um. So teams, if they're really just not that in love with him past this one year, basically they can talk like tell him like, "Hey, just opt out and go wherever you want." Right. Whereas Lamarcus, the Spurs guaranteed it his contract next year, which it was only seven million guaranteed, and they guaranteed all twenty two million of it. <laughs> Like, again, we way, here? way, way early. Like, had no reason to do it that early. It was like, act of good faith did it. And it's like, if you didn't want him on your team past this year, then you could have cut him and then uh, waved and stretched that $7 million. It should be like $2 million a year for the next, like, three years. Like, it wouldn't have been a big deal if you really didn't want him on your team. But if you want him on your team, like, I don't know, I would try and, like, renegotiate a contract. Like, a Marcus Hall type of, like, renegotiation to... Get, like get more guaranteed money. I mean, like over, um, but just like less per year over yeah. the course of like a few years. Yeah, like I just I didn't understand it. Clearly, both guys can still score. Yeah, like they can still somehow put up you know twenty thirty points in a game, um, and look somewhat efficient doing it. But they're just a complete negative on the defensive end. And whatever they give you twenty five points offensively, they're giving up thirty two defensively. It feels like they're about to be like good role players, like good bench players on a championship run. I I heard someone throw out is Demar Derozan not a sixth man, like a really 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 good sixth man I, now. I would like prefer that for him. Like yeah. go play. And I and know. I think we've literally said this before, but we're like he just makes too much. Yeah. And he's gonna command. He's gonna ask for too much to our team. Be like we can't bring a twenty million guy off the bench. Right. So there, there's just real problems there with like understanding role and what he does anymore. It's, it's borderline in the Carmelo realm of like understanding yeah. what your talents are, what the NBA needs, and what are you willing to do in terms of your role. Like, yeah, I mean he he was a good three point shooter for a year there in Toronto too. The they literally year. made him take. I mean, like he only shot like in the low 30s, but like it was enough to be respectable. Right. And right. he's just not that anymore. It kind of feels like, uh, I don't know, he could kind of do something maybe for, like, the Pacers or something who kind of need some, like, playmaking outside of Victor Oladipo and Malcolm Brogdon. But mm-hmm. that's another pod, tra- trade machine pod. Yeah. Um, Philly. We can't get a pod without talking no. about them, right? I mean, they're still a top team in the East. Like, they have a top five record in the East. Um but I can't say anyone on their team has looked consistently good. Like, Joel has looked out of shape in the games he has played still. He's dominant when he's out there, but he's still out of shape. Ben Simmons, we need to talk, like, on a Markel Fultz level of how this dude doesn't shoot. The, I don't know what to do with the Ben Simmons conversation anymore. Because, like, like, there are... 
players in his draft class who I just think are better than him at this point. And mm-hmm. Kevin O'Connor had the take this week of, uh, if you listen to that podcast, of Braden Ingram's just straight up better than Ben Simmons, and he's not wrong. No, I mean, and the fact that, okay, defensively, obviously Ben Simmons is significantly better because Ben Simmons' body is just completely different, and it gives him a much higher floor. But Brandon Ingram has developed an offensive game. Yeah. And ben Simmons' offensive game is still... Dunks. D- dunk, and yeah, play out of the dunker spot in the half-court offense. Run, pick, and roll, and if you don't get to the rim, to just kick it out. Um, and then play in transition. He has no real half-court offensive game. He, yep. Obviously, he took and made the 1-3 against the Knicks the other day. Of, and, of course, he came against the Knicks. Um, <laughs> but, like, he's not trying to shoot. No. He, he's not, not trying to take a pull-up jumper. It's literally get to the basket and dunk or pick and roll and kick it out. That's his only offense in the half court. And Brandon Ingram can do a thousand times more than that on the offensive end. He's hitting corner threes this year. He's playmaking for the Pelicans. Oh, who are, by by the way, almost in the playoff conversation again. Off to a bad start this year, and they're like 6-10. and ten. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like, I just don't know what to do. Like, I watched a Philly game the other night. And, like, their spacing is just so atrocious. Like, there's it's awful. Like, it's like Al Horford. When Al Horford, Joel Embiid, and Ben Simmons are out on the floor, it's like none of them know where to go because they all want to be in the same spot. Mm-hmm. And, like, Joel Embiid is like, all right, I'll kick out to the three, but no one's really pump fake, like, biting on my pump fake. I guess I'll try to drive. Oh, I'll pass out to Ben Simmons, who everyone plays, like, 50 feet off of because yeah. he won't shoot. It's just like this, I don't know if it's a Brett Brown issue. I don't know if it's what their, like, scheme is. I mean, it's a roster issue, of course, but, like, I just don't know where this team, like, down the stretch gets the buckets it needs. Yeah, and that was the whole thing with Jimmy Butler's offseason of can you really let this guy walk? And they ultimately, there was a choice by somebody, whether it's within Philly or just Jimmy Butler refused to compromise, um, and they, they sent him away. And I mean, they got Josh Richardson back um, from Miami and the exchange. They re-signed Tobias, but very clearly, those two guys like aren't what you really need in that in that regard. They're good players, good third, fourth, fifth options on a really good team, but they're not what this team particularly needs. Um, yeah, until they can somehow fix this, I'm not sure what this team's real ceiling is. The defense is incredible. Defense is always going to be good there. I mean, they're like top five in both offensive and defensive rebounding percentage. They're going to kill you on the glass because everyone's huge. Yeah. But how much can that really make up for what they're missing? Can they score 110 points in a playoff game? And win. And win. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So I'm um, going back to the not so good in terms of like record. Portland. Yeah. So we talked around with the mellow thing um, a little bit last week. So bringing it back real quick, um, five and twelve right now. Mellow, not not his fault, but hasn't really helped because um, the, yeah. the problems for this team are much more than like mellow. Right. Because mellow's a scorer. This team didn't necessarily need more scoring. Team needed better defense and a guy who could hit threes um, on kickouts. Yeah. Mellow's done the three thing. I'll give him that. Um, he knows his role. He it seems like he understands his role better. But yes, hundred percent yes. Um, dude still just gets, gets cooked defensively. 
And again, so does Dame. So does CJ. Although Dame does try harder um, yeah. on defense now than he used to. CJ does try harder now than he used to. But there's no and Ronnie Hood's not a good defender either. So no one one through four on this team is a good defender. Um, and then I'm not gonna make the argument right now that Hassan Whiteside's a good defender. Either. <laughs> um, he's good at blocking some shots. Yeah. But outside of that, like, okay, so you have five starters who don't play defense. <laughs> I there's just really no way around that. Um, defense rating somehow is 22. I have no idea how Terry Stotts has done that. Um, give him coach of the year right now. Um, <laughs> offensive rating 12th. That which is like what you would expect, right, for Portland. Yeah, like somewhere above average. But not amazing. This team needs it to be like four through eight, like in terms of offensive rating, to compensate for this defense. Let's put it this way: this is like the Mavericks minus Luca. Um, maybe because uh, like that's that's kind of a slap in the face to Dame. But I mean, like Dame is good. I think Dame's really good. But like, I don't know what this team's ceiling is with yeah. him and CJ. Yeah. And I mean, this is in the age old conversation of Portland right. um, of like, how far can those two take them? But when there's truly no other guys on this roster to compliment them, because even like Hazonia and Tolliver, they're both offensive guys for <laughs> yeah. and the backup guards, Anthony Simons, just an offensive guy. Like they, Kent Bazemore, really, like, in theory, he should be able to play defense, but he really doesn't play defense that much anymore. Nope. Like, they literally don't have any wings who can play defense. Like, on this team, no guards, no wings, really no fourth. Like, Zach Collins was, like, the only guy who could kind of play defense, and he fouls everybody. Like, there's no way of getting around the point that Portland has no one who plays defense. And that's that's just a huge management issue that, yes, I get why it looks bad by CJ and Dame, I get that, but those were never their strengths. This is like saying the Suns were bad because Devin Booker didn't play defense last year. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, of course Devin Booker didn't play defense last year, but that wasn't the real reason they were bad. Right. So I think there's just much more deeper issues. We won't get into Portland since we talked about them last week, but all right, last two, Chicago. Um, we talked about Zach Levine having a game. Um, we also need to talk about how they gave up like 115 to the Hornets. Um, um <laughs> And yeah, the bigger fundamental problems with um, Chicago being, what is going on with this backcourt? You're playing like four point guards. Like, can we talk about how Sadoransky um, and Ryan Archidiakono were out there last night on those game winning possessions? Like, who are you, who are you putting out on the floor? Like, I, was Kobe White also out there? Were they playing those three guys <laughs> plus Zach Levine? Well, like, um, the, I mean, what are that, you doing? That that was our thing, kind of like in the off season was like what is this roster like you you have Laurie Markinen and Wendell Carter and then you go inside Thad Young like what what's the game plan there and then you have like a backloaded like guard guard position like you have Zach Levine you have Co- you drafted Kobe White yeah. you went out and traded for Sadoransky right or you, you signed him in the signed him either him. way you know got him you brought back Archie Diacono you still have Chris Dunn you picked up his option. <laughs> like, what, 14 of your roster spots? Five of them are guards? Yeah, like, and that's just the thing. Like, guards who, like, you're trying to, like, play them all. Yeah. I think that's part of it, too, is... And Jim Jim Bullen's legit playing, like, everybody on his roster every single night. Like, what are you doing? We don't need to see a lot of these guys. 
Right. Like, I, Ryan right. he was really fun in college. Nice player for Villanova. Good end of the bench guy, sure. But I don't need to see him playing 20 minutes a game. Yep. Like, I don't I don't need to see Chris Dunn. I know what Chris Dunn is. He's not a good <laughs> NBA player. Um, <laughs> like, can we just get over that? Like, I know Otto Porter's hurt right now, and we mentioned that at the top. So, like, maybe you have to go a little smaller than you want to at times. But the problems were there before the Otto Porter injury, too. Right. Also... What is going on with the front court? Like, <laughs> why does Wendell Carter not get to touch the basketball? Like, can we talk about that? Um, because this dude coming out of Duke, I really thought this dude was like Al Horford. Yeah. You know, like, that was the big pro comp for him was so he has stretch capabilities. He's a really nice passer. Can just be in the right spot at the right time, make the defensive plays you need him to. And just maybe he's not Mitchell Robinson in terms of leaping ability, but he just makes the right plays, right? This dude literally has like, averaging less than one assist per game his only offense is like rebounding and like they just don't run plays for him they run nothing for him he runs no pick and pops he doesn't get to shoot threes you've taken away everything he did well um coming out of duke and that was projected to be well for him in the nba literally they've made him a just dunk the ball when you when you get it on two feet in the basket i mean this all these issues we bring up like outside of the roster things are directly on jim boylan yeah, like and, it's just his play style. Like the big man doesn't touch the ball. Like it, this is like a 1960s mentality of like you don't touch the ball except for whenever like it's a rebound. Like how hard is it? Like we've seen how many coaches be successful from the pop like coaching tree. Like Steve Kerr, how many championships did he win? Oh, and by the way, he coached with Greg Popovich, played with Greg Popovich. Yeah. Like why not just go like Chicago? Go hire one of those guys. Yeah, well, like. It, the question of why hire Jim Boylan and it's that Jim Boylan just reminds Garpacks of what they love in a coach and but to like the nth degree of it. And yeah, so like he's messed up Wendell Carter's development completely. Hundred yep. percent. Yep. Laurie Markinen, yes, he looks lost. He just he, looks Yeah. He's not shooting well from three right now. Yep. But it's probably because like he's just very confused of what he's supposed to be doing with this job. Like in theory you'd say like we'll just catch and shoot threes. But like they're not doing that. Right. Dad Young I like the idea of bringing in Thad Young because he's just a good vet, can really help the team. If you play him at the three, which he's really, that's not really his position, Laurie Markkinen is so skilled. Wendell Carter is so skilled offensively that it kind of like cancels out yeah. and you can get away with it. Um, that's just not a thing. Like Thad Young is like hardly playing for this team. And when he is, it's just in the completely wrong role. And then Otto Porter Jr., again, doesn't look like they're using him correctly. Really, he's a good basketball player and they just make him look like a nobody out there. They're playing Chandler Hutchinson like a ton of minutes. <laughs> Chandler Hutchinson doesn't deserve to be on an NBA roster. <laughs> and like they're pl- still playing him 20 minutes. I'd rather leave Lynn, uh, Otto Porter in there because he's only playing like 25 minutes a game right now. Like it's just like, why? Why, why are you doing like a 25 20 split with every starter and their backup? Well, so, like, I think that's one of the things is like, man. It really Chicago should be better than what they are. Yeah, like they have good NBA players on their roster. They've actually drafted well the last three years. Yeah, I bringing think in marketing Carter and Kobe White. Their front office has done a good job and of like, drafting, of drafting, off season signings, whatever. We can leave that for another discussion. But I, I think this is really just like, what are we doing when we're hiring a coach? Like, who are we picking? And, like, are we yeah. thinking, forward-thinking to, like, are, are they good developers? Are they... How do we maximize the guys we have? How do we right. get the most out of the guys we have? Develop the young players we just brought in. Yeah, and Jim Bolin is doing none of that. 
Right. Fred Hoiberg, right? Like, he had moments of doing it. I'm not saying he did a great job, but I'm not saying they gave him a ton to work with either. It's his last two, three years. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was the thing. It was like, he never really had a... the Like, if he Fred Hoiberg had this roster... Your point about Wendell Carter, that dude would be touching the ball like every other possession. Yeah. Like you this ever dude heard of George Nieg? Yeah, I know. Made him look incredible. Got him to an NBA. Um, like, yeah, this team would look completely different Fred Hoiberg. Like, could you imagine Kobe White starting at point guard for Fred Hoiberg? Oh, my God. With Levine, Porter, Marketing, and Carter. Like, this team would be off and running. It would look like that Sacramento team um, from last year that we all fell in love with. And just, they would be what we all thought like they could be. Probably still too young. Yeah, but I think that's why you still bring in a Thad Young and Saturansky to like offset the minutes for those guys just like really don't know what they're doing. Um, but yeah, it seems like Jim Boylan just has no idea how to like manage this team correctly. It's really just a let's play everybody and um, just see who's doing well at the end. And I guess we'll play those guys. It feels like Chicago has turned into the Phoenix Suns 2.0. It was like, oh, we're always like two years away. Always, but always thinking like, oh, but if this breaks right, we can make the playoffs. And then it just never breaks right. Right. Yep. Um, last team. Um, we'll start out there because they're funny to laugh at, the Knicks. Um, yeah, <laughs> just hilarious. I um, added this to the, because we have to have our traditional dig at the Knicks on this podcast. Like, what? Like just a nightmare of an organization. And I think I don't agree with KD on anything outside of this. Like, the Knicks aren't cool. And, like, yep. that's essentially what this is. Like, you're getting rocked um by the calves one night by like 30 and then you're getting smacked by the bulls by 20 um, who are a disaster too we just talked about them. so it's like um yeah i honestly i'm not 100 percent sure how they've won four games so far um two of them have come against the mavericks, mavericks yeah good point um so yeah like the fact that they had expectations for this year is just hilarious yeah. um the fact that this team like was hoping to win 30 plus games to like really make a playoff push in the east for like one of those last seeds is just phenomenal um i i don't know what to do with fizzdale i don't know what to do with frank or rj or anyone i want to like some of the pieces they have but they're kind of in that bull situation of like you have so many guys now that you have to play or you feel the need to play that you you can't get out of your own way they can't get out of each other's way because they all think they're doing the right thing it's just a dumpster fire. Yeah. I mean, it, this is classic. Like, no, uh, clearly no one agrees on anything because what the front office is doing is not what Fisdale is doing. And what the draft guys want is not what, what the player ops want. Right. There's and just it, no agreement on how this team should be run. And it's just like, how do you... Like, I feel bad for RJ Barrett, who clearly wants to be a Nick. Like, had said it during the draft yeah. process. And it's just a dumpster fire. Like I would, admit, I would be asking out right now. Like what? Like what? Chris stops did. Do we blame him for not wanting you to be can't. a Nick? I, I can't blame him for it at all. Like because this is the exact situation you wouldn't want to be in. Because you, you can tell I'm wasting my career. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> like all those guys who signed in the off season. Like, are they just like okay? We're collecting our paycheck and getting just destroyed every night. Get some buckets get the money and then like go what, party go in new york yeah. somewhere i guess that's it but man that's that's hard that's but then don't be surprised if you win 20 games 
Yeah. Right? You just can't be surprised at that point then. Even tw- maybe 20, maybe 15. <laughs> maybe. Maybe Depends 15. if they're trying to tank at the end or not. Although this team doesn't really need to try to tank. So. They definitely need another pick, a top pick. But they'll probably screw that up too. Anyways, we'll, <laughs> we will be back next week for episode 57. Uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving because this week is now Thanksgiving. And it's going to be sad we don't get basketball on Thursday yeah. of Thanksgiving. Again, NBA, when you're redoing this stuff, challenge the NFL. Mm. Challenge it. I believe in you. Anyways, uh, we'll see you back uh, next on the next episode of Couch Team Podcast in episode 57. See you back then. Yeah.